Hey everybody and welcome back to the Morning Moxie Show. I'm Alicia Sharp, your host, and today we have Andrew Womack on the show and he is a guest of Praise on TBN and he's talking about a better way to pray. So many times we pray with spiritual warfare, you know, we're praying in faith, we have all this just these these intercession and different things that we're trying to accomplish through prayer. And those are good and those are there's places for those. But the thing is, God wants to spend time with you. And when we pray, it's not always about trying to get God to move or to do these things. It's simply spending time with Him, getting to know Him, being in His presence, and then just enjoying who God is in our lives. Here's Andrew. I believe that the number one purpose of prayer is for fellowship with God. Beautiful. Just to know God, to have intimacy with God. Uh, Adam and Eve met with God in the cool of the garden every day, and they didn't have any clothes to ask for. They didn't have any money to ask for. They didn't have to ask for food, and they didn't have to intercede and bind anything or rebuke anything. Their whole relationship with God was just talking about, God, look how beautiful this world Mm. is that Mm. you made. And Mm. God, I saw a brand new tree today. I had a new fruit today. And it was just fellowship with God. And I really believe that with the average person, prayer has become a formula. It's become warfare. It's become repenting, which there's a place for those things. But I'm saying most people don't use prayer for just conversational prayer relating Mm -hmm. to the Lord, loving Him. And I think that that's the number one purpose of it. Mm -hmm. And if we were to ever get to where we really just kept our mind, stayed upon the Lord, Isaiah 26, 3, the Lord will keep him in perfect peace. His mind is stayed upon Him. There's there's, uh, scientific things that when you aren't stressed out, you have better immune system, your body functions better, everything works better. Mm -hmm. We would have more health. We would have more of everything if we just dwelt in the presence of God and yeah. used prayer primarily to praise God. But the real thrust of, of prayer, I believe, ought to be just relationship with God. It ought to be knowing God and communing with God. And you know, um, Lori was mentioning earlier how that she sometimes felt like I've never prayed enough, I've never mm-hmm. done enough. Yeah. Man, I live that way. Yeah. And now I don't pray with, I don't know how to say this quickly, but I don't pray with my eyes closed or kneeling in a position or the way I used to do it. I don't do that every day. Right. But man, I am in communion with the Lord constantly. Yeah. And God speaks to me as I'm driving down the road, anything I'm doing. Yeah. I walk seven to eight miles a day and I am praying and just in fellowship with the Lord. And a lot of it is just thanking God for this. Yeah. You know, the, the Bible says the heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament shows His handiwork. And people can look at this and then not even realize God. That's, that's wrong. Yeah. I think we ought to be constantly praising God. And so here's the way I teach people how to pray. As I start, when I'm praying for another person, I'll, I'll say, Father, thank you that you are the atonement for our sins, not only for ours, but for the sins of the whole world, 1 John 2, 2. And so you've already dealt with these sins. You've already died for this person's sins. 
And so now I rebuke the God of this world, 2 Corinthians 4, 4, who's blinded his eyes. And Satan, I command this blindness and deception to be gone. The way it's going to be gone is through the truth. John 8, 32, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And so then I pray, Father, send labors across their path. Matthew 9, 38, which he told us to send labors. So I'll say, Father, I believe that you are sending labors across their path. If they're in a bar or wherever they are, whatever they're doing, somebody's coming across their path. And also John 14, 26 says that the Holy Spirit will bring back to your remembrance whatsoever the uh, Lord has spoken unto you. And so like if they were a kid in Sunday school, bring yeah. back to their remembrance scriptures, bring mm, back beautiful. to their remembrance the times that you have touched them. Yes. And then I'll remit their sins according to John 20, 23, which remittance sins doesn't mean that you forgive sins. You can't forgive a person's sins, but remittance, like when cancer goes into remission, they won't say that you're totally cured. They'll just say there's no traces of it, mm. the evidence of it, the physical effects are gone. So when he says, "You, whosoever sins you remit, they are remitted. Whosoever sins you retain, they are retained. We don't have power to forgive sins, but you can break the effects that that sin is having in their life. Well, like I was telling you, I, I was into this praying all night long, praying and, and in a sense twisting God's arm. I wasn't going to let go until God blessed me. I started all night prayer meetings many times and mine never lasted past one o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Everybody would leave and go home. But man, I tried to force God and I tell you, and I, I know that every person watching this, Matt, has come to this place that when you think that God is not prone to answer your prayers and you've got to somehow or another make him do it, that's frustrating mm -hmm. to try and force God to do anything. And over the years, it's, uh, you know, this is what my whole ministry is about, is about what he's done in my life. But I've learned that God has already done his part and just exactly as your dad said, God has done everything about the devil he's going to do. And it's not up to God to rebuke the devil to make something happen. God has done it and it's up to us to enforce yeah. what he's already done to reach out and make it come to pass. I still don't see everything and it's not because God's at fault. It's me. I'm still growing. But we are seeing so much better results. I know I'm moving in the right direction. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I used to do was to really try and rebuke the devil and bind the devil. And I was using Old Testament examples of intercession. Okay. And without me turning over and reading these passages, people can go look them up on their own. But in Exodus chapter 32, this is where Moses had been on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. He had had the Ten Commandments given to him in the stone. And the Lord said, get down because your people. You know, I always thought it was interesting the way he said, uh, he went to Pharaoh and he says, let my people go. But then when they messed up, he says, your people have corrupted themselves. <laughs> kind of like a parent, you know, that's your son yes, over sure. there. Yes. And anyway, he says, your people have corrupted themselves and I'm going to destroy them. Get out. And he says, get out of my way and leave me alone so that I can destroy them. And the very fact that God had to tell Moses to get out of the way is amazing because it showed that Moses had influence and power with God. Hmm. And people will use that as an example of how we need to pray. And Moses actually said this to the Lord. He says, repent, O Lord, of your fierce anger and turn from this. Mm -hmm. He told the Lord to repent. And the amazing thing is in Exodus 32, 16, he repented wow. at the preaching of Moses. And then they use Abraham who pled for Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, if there be 50 and then he came down to 10. And God said, if there's 10, I'll spare it. They use Moses and... 
and Aaron when they when the plague had begun and 70,000 people were killed and and Aaron ran in and stood in between the living and the dead and when the plague came to his prayer his intercession then the plague was stopped and so people use these things to say that this is the way we've got to plead for America to, to spare the wrath of God and keep us from being destroyed by God but the answer to that is that in the New Testament Jesus was an intercessor to end all of that kind of intercession. Matter of fact, in Galatians chapter 3, it talks about that the law was ordained in the hands of a mediator, and it calls Moses a mediator. But now it says Jesus is the only mediator. Let me just turn over and read this. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. So this says that Jesus is the only mediator between us and God. That was Andrew Womack on Praise on TBN, and you can find that on YouTube if you search under Andrew Womack, A Better Way to Pray, Praise on TBN. You can also find out information at his website, which is awmi.net. I hope you have a fabulous day today, and remember that you can live your 320 life.